You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here is your host, it's Mr. Carl Stebbings. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 56 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me well, not in my kitchen no. studio this week. No, we are not. We are in Matt's conservatory studio. Is Indeed. Matt Smith? Hello, good morning. And as per usual, whenever we're in here, we always seem to have inclement weather. Uh, and uh, right on cue, it's just started raining. So happy days. Yes, yes, yes. It's not uh, the weather's not um, very good for flying. Today. No, thank goodness your wedding was last week. By the sound of it, I didn't yes, think it was yes, like yes. any worse. But yes, <laughs> not so your wedding. Not I mean, my wedding. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. no. I was just doing the uh, disco entertainment for the Indeed. wedding. But it went well. A bit chilly, but I, uh, bet. Yes, yes. Yes. I did see a photograph you'd posted on there where you were sort of wrapped up wrapped to the up. lines with your heating <laughs> and your gloves and your oh, fleece. Yes. Yeah. So you join us then for episode 56. It is April the 11th. It's a Saturday and it's just coming up to quarter to 11 in the morning. Indeed. We've just had breakfast, but we we've have... both had very busy early parts of our day. So it's yes, uh, yes. brunch, I think, is the best uh, description yes. for it. Yes. Matt's, uh, Matt's mum very kindly cooked, uh, cooked me a full yeah, English breakfast. wasn't just breakfast, was it? it was. And by full, I mean I am full. All the works. Although yeah. I must say, I'm very excited to discover that you don't mind a bit of the old black pudding. I'm no, 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 no. That, I didn't know? never used to like it, but I do yeah. like it now. Traditional, that's yeah, why traditional. I like. Yes, yes. Well, so, I, I'm partly disappointed because I because I sort of said, oh, well, if Carl don't like it, so I was looking forward to you know <laughs> you want more. To today, but no, no, I don't like no, it. No. Oh, swine. You bugger you. <laughs> I know. I'm you can't say that. Oh no, dear. Sorry. Um, <laughs> We'll edit that one out. Family show, ladies family and gentlemen. Show. <laughs> yes, so uh, we, there's been lots of uh, newsing things happening mm. in the uh, aviation world this week. Yeah. And we've got uh, some of the best stories to bring you this week. Mm-hmm. We've also got a segment from Pilot Pip. He mm. brings you the second instalment of yeah. his uh, segment, which uh, is really great. That's uh, coming up. I listened to that uh, yesterday. Yeah, likewise. I, I listened uh, to the whole, uh, well, not uh, not the new segment. I was listening to the whole show yesterday, actually, because right. I was busy cleaning because I wasn't out or anything. Yeah, so and, I listened uh, to Pip's segment. It's really good. Oh, yeah. So we've got that coming up. Uh, what, what was the plane? What was the plane that he spotted that, that while, while he was sitting on the runway? There was a couple he spotted. It was a, it was a, a vintage, wasn't it? Um, he mentioned it in the... Yeah. In the, in the in I've forgotten. Oh, I, shall, I shall look it up in a minute. I'll, I'll come back to you on that. But I was very jealous because yeah. he was doing his, um, his as thing. You do, and, as you, you know, do. You're just that, casually yeah. sitting on a runway. Yeah. It's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> so we're going to kick off the show then, with as we do each week, with mm-hmm. our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. Always. Let's go. So kicking off this week's news end I'm so is, glad you uh, don't record while it's... <laughs> I know. Matt was singing the jingle and talking and everything. It's Shame. quite funny. <clears throat> no, but the first story this week is something that hit the news uh, earlier on this week, and that was the air traffic control strikes. Mm. And uh, this story on the BBC News site, EasyJet cancels nearly 600 flights. So EasyJet cancelled hundreds of flights as the second day of strike action by French air traffic controllers took its toll. The airline did not operate 331 flights after cancelling 248 on Wednesday. Wow. Some passengers uh, had been stranded in European cities after Easter breaks, prompting EasyJet to operate five rescue flights on Friday, which was yesterday. Indeed. Uh, the flights will bring three parties of schoolchildren back into the UK. The additional flights will run from Luton to Paris, Paris to Barcelona, and Barcelona to Luton, Gatwick to Madrid, and Marrakesh to Gatwick. 
EasyJet says it will put larger aircraft on routes that have been most affected to allow more passengers to get home. A spokesman said the unnecessary strike had caused considerable and disproportionate disruption to passengers and airlines across Europe. So the uh, headline for this particular uh, paragraph of the story is held to ransom. So rival low-cost airline Ryanair said it had been forced to cancel more than 500 flights over the last two days. We again call on the EU, European Union and French authorities to act now and prevent thousands of travellers being held to ransom by these French air traffic control workers, the Irish Airlines said. Joanne, uh, Johanna Booth from Liverpool had been stuck in Barcelona after two Ryanair flights were cancelled due to the industrial action. We have a four-month-old baby and his formula milk has run out and he's not drinking much of the other varieties, so that I am concerned, she told the BBC. The support we've had from Ryanair has been minimal. Well, there's a surprise. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, inconvenience then. The Air France uh, said it was operating uh, one in four flights to and from Orly Airport in Paris, about 40% to and from cities in the rest of France and 50% of medium-haul flights to and from Paris Charles de Gaulle Airport. No long-haul Air France flights were affected on Thursday. And air traffic controllers are planning further industrial action from the 16th to the 18th of April and from the 29th of April to the 2nd of May. Both uh, are key holiday periods as well. Mm. Roger Rousseau, head of the SNCTA union, said he uh, um, that represents Trent traffic controllers. Slurring words there. <laughs> That's the coffee. Uh, <laughs> we can assure our passengers that we are doing everything possible to limit the inconvenience of this strike on them. Among the issues upsetting members is that the retirement age will be raised from 57 years old to 59. So... I don't know how I feel it's, about this. I've got, I mi- I got mixed feelings about this story because on the one hand, striking is the only way in a lot of industries um, that mm. you know, if there's something you're unhappy about, it's the only way of sort of really showing how unhappy you are about it. But at the same time, I mean, you think, what is it? Between EasyJet and Ryanair alone, there was, what, just over a 1,000 flights cancelled over the two days? That's a lot of flights. That's an alarming amount of flights. And, and a lot of people. Well, and, and also you've got planes in the wrong places. Mm. So, you mm. know, it's not just those two days that, that, that flights are going to be affected by, aren't you? Because you, you haven't got planes that that, sh- that were in Paris that now should be, say, at Luton, mm. that now aren't. And, and, and that, I mean, it's... Uh, but uh, I don't know. It's it's uh, it, it's a it's a tricky one, as you say. And you've got school children and everything. everybody's coming back from their Easter holiday break. They're all, uh, you know, everybody's not where they should be. <laughs> but it's not the first time we've had strikes in Europe. Well, it's not it's certainly not the first time there's been strikes in France. No, no. <laughs> I, I remember going on a coaching holiday many years ago, and you know, roads being blockaded by you know farmers on their tractors and mm. all this kind of thing. They are they are prone to. But uh, air traffic control is very important. Mm, you know, we do yeah. need that. Yeah, you know, it's um, a part well, of uh, part of flying. I'm, presumably, somebody was was still watching the skies, even though they were all on strike. Yeah, I, I don't mean, think um, security or safety was ever ever no, compromised no. with the strike. But um, obviously, to to make things. Uh, runs yeah. as smooth as they could. They had to cancel these flights. Yeah, well, as I say, it's uh, it's one of the few occasions where I actually feel sorry for Ryanair on this. <laughs> but uh, you've got. Another... But on that note, on that yeah. note, the next story. <laughs> next story. That's on the travelmole.com and the headline is Ryanair reports sharp rise in passengers. 
Ryanair passenger numbers grew 28% to 6.67 million in March. Meanwhile, load factor increased 10%, uh, 10 percentage points to 90% and rolling annual traffic uh, to March grew to 11% to 90.5 million passengers. Chief Marketing Officer Kenny Jacobs said that the jump was due to low affairs, our stronger forward booking strategy and the continuing success of our always getting better customer program, which continues to deliver, to deliver better than expected load factors on our significantly expanded winter schedule. He said the next phase of this program would include a new website and app, new cabin interiors, new crew uniforms and in-flight menus, reduced airport fees and the great new digital features such as hold the fare destination content and fare comparison services. It's a, it's a win-win, I think, for Ryanair, really. It shows that these, these figures that you've got here in front of you yeah. prove the reason that Ryanair have made that huge order mm, of yeah. aircraft from Boeing. Mm. Obviously, they, they do. They've obviously got the um, the passengers to fill these yeah. aircraft, yeah. Um, which are due to be delivered over the next sort of few few well, years. I'm, I'm going to. I didn't going to Edinburgh at the end of May, and um, I'm flying from Stansted to Edinburgh Airport with Ryanair. It's just <laughs> there's no, you know, you can't. I mean, you trying. I was trying to have a look. I've, see if I could go from Norwich and that um, and whilst there was a flight available I think it was uh, to Aberdeen unfortunately but it didn't really because the part in Scotland I'm going to it didn't really matter whether it was Aberdeen or or Edinburgh um, but it was like three or four times the price of the Ryanair flight I mean, mm. it's just you know one of our one of our listeners David Harris mm. um, he's uh, just come back from a trip uh, across uh, across the pond from the States yeah. And here he went to uh, the um, the field, bearing field where they produce the aircraft. Oh, cool! And uh, one of the photos that he posted, actually, that was on our Facebook page, mm. was of uh, a brand spanking new, shiny Ryanair seven three seven eight hundred. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Brand spanking new, um, ready to be on it. You know, ferried across uh, from there to. Do to they the not UK. just fly it? No, they, no, they fly it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I mean, ferried, <laughs> ferried as in uh, flown across. Yeah, not not put on so a ferry. It's strange to get on a <laughs> cut it all up and put it onto a, <laughs> no. onto a tanker, send it across. Yeah. But it, it's also interesting to see the pitch, some of the pictures he's put. If you go on our Facebook page, you'll see the photos that David mm. Harris put on there. But he's also it's interesting to see the aircraft before they're painted. Oh wow! They're in in a kind of in a really nice green, like a primer, kind of color Ooh. green. It, it's not a, a garish green. It's, right. it's a kind of... Um, yeah, sort of like white, light green. Lighty green. Light green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like before the aircraft are painted, they look like this. And, and can they fly uh, it like that? Do they yes, not have yeah, to... they, they fly, yeah, they can fly like that. You know, they, they obviously test flown before they're delivered to the right. customers. But uh, the pictures he put on there just show just how many aircraft that, that Boeing are pumping out, you know, not yeah. just 737s, yeah. but um, Dreamliners and, and the 74s, yeah. 800s. Well, it is, the, the Dream, Dreamliner is is the plane, isn't it? Everybody yes. seems to be showing a lot of yes. interest, as we'll, we'll cover later on, obviously. Yes. Um, there's a story involving um, yet another product shortly. But anyway, on to the next story. Funnily enough, a, this one is a Net Indian website, and this mm. one is uh, Virgin Atlantic. It introduces the 787-9 Dreamliner on Delhi-London route. So uh, earlier this week, Virgin Atlantic became the first European carrier to fly the larger Boeing 787-9 version of the Dreamliner on the Delhi-London route. The maiden 787-9 Dreamliner flight uh, to London from Delhi was launched by the airliner on March the 31st 
Passengers travelling on the flight were in for a surprise as they received exclusive 787 cupcakes <laughs> and the chance to take a first flight selfie whilst checking in and boarding the flight from Delhi IGI Airport. The aircraft that arrived from London was greeted with a water cannon salute. Hopefully I not foamy. Press the, press the right not button. Not foamy. Yeah. Um, yes, look in last week's episode <laughs> yeah, for that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Virgin Atlantic operates seven daily flights every week from Delhi to London with many onward connections, including New York. A press release from the airline said that the 787-9s are configured with 31 upper class, 35 premium economy and 198 economy seats. Features include access to Wi-Fi connectivity, the latest in-flight entertainment with Bollywood movies, oh, uh, dynamic that's, that's mood lighting. That's the first thing I look for on, a, on, on an airplane. Make sure it's got a section of Bollywood movies, yes. Uh, dynamic <laughs> mood lighting throughout the journey and the largest cabin windows of any aircraft flying today. 65% larger than the industry standard, which most people of these days know that the Dreamliner has got huge got windows. windows, yeah. Uh, giving amazing views. Uh, yeah. The upper class passengers will now enjoy uh, a new iteration of Virgin Atlantic's iconic upper class suite, which incorporates all of the popular features to make it the most spacious, comfortable and longest fully fly, uh, fully flat lie bed in the business class, with all suites having direct aisle access. Mm-hmm. The upper class bar has been redesigned to become an even more social space with a large screen to entertain passengers and show flight or destination information. There is a refreshed premium economy cabin with even more comfortable design, providing a wider seat than the competitors and a brand new social space called the Wonderwall, where customers can stretch their legs, mingle with other passengers and help themselves to snacks and drinks. The economy seats are the Recaro 3620 model, making them wider with larger headrests and the best in class, the release has said. We've been serving and delighting our customers for 15 years from Delhi and the launch of the Dreamliner with our latest cabin interiors further demonstrates our commitment to India and enables us to build the success of the Delhi route. Nick Parker, head of India and the Middle East uh, for Virgin Atlantic, said. So, Matt, this... uh Interior, you've got a slight picture there. That's obviously mm. the uh, business That's the class. mood lighting. Yeah, yes. the mood lighting as well. Oh, well, and there was me thinking it was economy. No, <laughs> no unfortunately, no. <laughs> but the, these mood lighting, they have those on the, I mean, they even have them on the 737s. Oh, and the uh, Dreamline obviously has the mood lighting. Yeah. And then the 777s also have that kind of uh, mood lighting as well on them as well. I do really, I, I don't know why, but I do really love the idea of it having a bar. Uh, and and the opportunity. Yes. Well, because I quite often, because I because I'm sort of you know sort of a tall chap as well as um you know being um, round, uh, and it's quite nice. I, I usually have to get up and have a bit of a wander around anyway, otherwise my legs go to sleep, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. So the idea that you could just sort of wan- wander to the bar and get yourself a coke and and, and or other beverages beer. are available, beer, yes. wine, whiskey. Yes. <laughs> well, I, d- I don't think they'll have any of what you normally drink. No, no, not real ale, yeah. not, not any ale. No. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine no. that being a big seller. <laughs> no, well, no, I'm not the only one. You know, Jeff uh, from Airline Pilot Guy podcast, he loves yeah. his ale. Yeah, as, yeah. as does Grant. As does Grant, yeah, yeah. Grant yeah. from PCDU, yeah, he yes, does he was, love his ale. Yeah, well, I was a bit disappointed in his choice, though, Boddington's of all things. Oh, God, I, I know, Boddington's smooth <laughs> choice was, I think, the last thing he posted on the old Facebook. Really? Yeah, I'll, I'll have words with him. Very ashamed of him, I I'll was. I'll have yes, words with him. Yes. He needs to come over here, doesn't he? And oh, he course, needs to yes. be educated yes. in the finer points of of your local alehouse, it has to be said. There, see, there, <laughs> yeah, there yet again, Grant, is an invite to come over here yeah, um, to, to, to see me and Matt. Yeah, spoil your rotten, we will. I mean, We'll even take him ballooning. 
I mean, we, we could say in ballooning. Really? Yeah, there's ballooning happen here in the UK. Yeah, well, we don't know anyone that does. <laughs> no, but I'm sure we could pull some strings. <laughs> Honestly, you do. You live in a different world. Know, you do. Oh. I know. I'm winning. Lo- I'm winning the lottery this evening. Are so you? Okay. Good. Oh, yeah. well, that's lovely. Don't forget your humble co-host. Oh, of course. Not. In the event of such things occurring. You anyway, are... <laughs> moving on before both of us get into trouble. Uh, it's Travel Weekly is the next uh, site, and the headline is Midair Refueling of Commercial Aircraft suggestion to cut consumption this sounds mega it, i don't know i don't know I, i've got two two um fields of thought of this of a t- I'll, I'll explain why when we get to the end uh, non-stop flights to australia from the uk could eventually become a reality under european plans to refuel commercial aircraft in mid-air the scheme would involve an introduction of refueling aircraft along key distance routes that would be capable of topping up as many as seven passenger aircraft it would be the first time a system of mid-air refuelling, which is already established for military aircraft, has been adapted for commercial flights, the Times has reported. The £2.7 million project, funded by the European Union, has already found that overall fuel consumption may be cut by up to a quarter by allowing aircraft to take off and land with lighter fuel loads. The technology is being devised as part of the research for a cruiser-enabled air transport environment project led by um, experts from the nine European universities and research bodies, including Queen's University in Belfast. Bart Heesbeen, Senior Research and Development Engineer for the National Aerospace Laboratory in Amsterdam, which is leading the programme, said that the cruiser feeder system could revolutionise air travel. Speaking on the project's website, he said the main benefit is expected to be a reduction in fuel consumption on the long-haul flights. With this experiment, we would like to show that it is easy to perform air-to-air refuelling of civil aircraft while maintaining present-day safety levels. Based on the feedback we received from the pilots who participated in phase one experimentation, we can conclude that all pilots believe that this will be possible to operate the aircraft safely during the air-to-air refuelling manoeuvre with a highly automated fuel control system. A reduction in consumption of between 11 and 23% by refuelling mid-air rather than taking off with a full load, researchers found. The Figures were based on an aircraft flying 6,000 nautical miles with 250 passengers on board. Scientists have already used a flight simulator to model the refuelling system. Converting a large aircraft such as the Airbus A380 into a tanker would enable them to refuel six to seven cruisers during a single mission, it was claimed. The plans, which have been developed since, which have been in development since 2011, have yet to proceed to full in-flight trials. The Recreate scientists are also working on a system that would involve involve nuclear-propelled cruisers circling the globe with passengers, luggage and cargo being delivered mid-air by smaller feeder aircraft. This, I, don't like, this, I don't like the word nuclear. That, that makes me a little nervous. This, <laughs> I think this is an absolutely amazing story. It's a I brilliant really idea. It's a fantastic idea. And I just think there's a few things. I mean, one is obviously the RAF pilots or the military pilots from around yeah. the world who are trained to refuel in air. Mm. That is a huge part of training, learning yeah. how to refuel yeah. aircraft in air. Yeah. So obviously that's another additional thing that the pilots... The commercial pilots. A commercial yeah. pilots going to have to learn how to, yeah. to do that in the air. And also with the best people in the world, I mean, mid, mid-air refueling in the military world mm. probably only involves at most 10 crew maybe because yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's it's more sort of heavy stuff that they're moving I'm, I'm just trying to picture you know, my head an A380 
with with a refueling <laughs> pylon sticking out from the from the yeah, nose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that it's uh, it's just a, it's a, an amazing concept. I mean, it's a brilliant it, concept. It would, it would revolutionise travel because you would be able to do it in one hit, you know, from Absolutely. the UK to yeah, Australia yeah. With, without stopping anywhere. I mean, you probably just have to lower your airspeed a bit, obviously, for refuelling. But uh, I mean, and also, I mean, when uh, I mean, when Mum went to Australia for mm. for my cousin getting married, um, and they had to land at Hong Kong, mm. um, and then had to have a couple of days there before they moved on to the next. I know you can do, you know, closer together connecting flights. But there, there are significant fees involved. I'm quite sure at landing mm, at these major yeah. airports, and it's a it's a worrying state of affairs that it's actually cheaper for them to actually, you know, put an aircraft in the air that's basically circling in a you know it's sort of covering a yeah. specific you know refueling it, zone. It would be interesting to see what aircraft they use for the well, tanker. Well, in the story, obviously- they were suggesting the A380, weren't they? Because with a fuel load that um, you could actually you could actually fuel between six and seven aircraft. Um, with, to complete with the its uh, military, as we've covered yeah. before, they use the, the Airbus three thirty, don't they? Three thirty, yes, yeah. as, a, as a military tank. Yeah. I think I, I, I suppose you're, you're looking at larger fuel loads, aren't you? Mm. Um, but but, it's, uh, but it's, it's a fascinating story. I know. I, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this story. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how out. I feel about it though. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I like the idea of while we're in the air, they're merely you know fueling <laughs> up because there's, there's so much that could go wrong with that. And what happens if they don't get enough? If something goes wrong during the refueling, you're in the air and you and you can't get enough fuel on board to complete the complete the journey, and you're you know over the mid you know halfway over the Atlantic. I mean, mind, mind you, just, how, how does that work? <laughs> just just think of the points that the pilot would get on his um his a fuel card. Oh yeah, yeah, he'd be yeah able the to, nectar points. The nectar through points. The roof. Oh, wow, wonderful. Yeah. Or other other point uh, processes are available. I think. But yeah, I think there's. <laughs> but you know, can you just scan my card, please, so I can yeah. get the points for this the cabin for this yeah. three hundred and fifty thousand liters right. of fuel? You'd be amazed what they can do through the internet these days. They'll be able to transfer it. It's fine. It's all part of the fun. Oh dear. Anyway, on to the next story, and uh, this is on the twenty four seven Wall Street website and the headline airbus and boeing plan to make flying even more uncomfortable oh this is good news uh, both boeing um, and rival airbus have generated thousands of orders for their new single aisle passenger jets with projected deliveries of the new airbus 320 neo which i know we covered a, a few weeks back starting in late 2016 and the boeing 737 max entering service in 2017 both planes feature new, more fuel-efficient engines, but the aircraft makers also aim to improve the economics for the airlines by stuffing more seats into the cabin. Boeing uh, uh, acceded uh, to a request from Ryanair Holdings. Now, there's a shock. Ryanair wanting to cram in more seats. I can't, I can't imagine it. Uh, anyway, Boeing acceded to a request from Ryanair Holdings, Europe's largest low-fare airline, to add 11 more seats to the already 189 planned for the 737 MAX 8 to create a model called the 737 MAX 200. Ryanair placed an $11 billion order for 100 of the new planes in December. If Boeing's got one, then Airbus needs one too. And sure enough, in early March, the European maker received certification from the European Aviation Safety Agency to add 15 seats to the to the 180 already approved for the A320neo, bringing the passenger capacity to 195. Because the A320neo is shorter than the 737 MAX 200, Airbus almost certainly will have to use a 27-inch seat pitch to stuff all those seats into the plane. 
seat pitch is the distance between the plastic back of the seat you're sitting in and the plastic back of the seat in front of you. Airbus claims wider seats give passengers roughly the equivalent space. Ryanair expects 737 MAX 200 to retain its current 30-inch seat pitch, but a decrease in 29 inches is not out of the question. I think this is this would be foolish. If they did decide to... to Increase the amount of seats in these yeah. aircraft. I mean, okay, fair enough. They're going to have more revenue. There'll be more passengers yeah. on the aircraft. but yeah, Possibly if you, make the flight cheaper, I guess. Yeah, but if you're... I know, I mean, most Ryanair flights are within three hours or less. Mm. Majority of them are. Yeah. Um, but even so, I don't want to sit, you know, cramped for, for two hours, even if I have only paid 100 quid. But that's it, though, isn't it? You've only mm. paid £100. And but I don't to be sit, honest with you... I wouldn't sit on your coach cramped. <laughs> well, I, I guess not. But then, yeah. my my point is, is there are other options available to you oh, yeah. if you want to do. It. And most people choose Ryanair purely and simply because of the cost. And you have to accept that if you're going to, you know, if you're going to fly with Ryanair and you're going to pay not very much, and it, mm. it, some of the flights are ridiculously cheap. Let's be honest. Yeah, you you have to accept that you're going to, you know, there's going to be a, a modicum of discomfort um, as a result. That you'll have to excuse the rain. I'm afraid, ladies yeah, it's, and gentlemen, it's, it's just started to. Chuck it down. The heavens have just opened up. Indeed. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I kind, I'm kind of with Ryanair on this one. It's like you know, because if, you, if you're worried about things like leg room, then you'll be flying. You won't be flying with Ryanair. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'd, I'd see your I, point. I, I'd rather. I'd rather only pay. What was it? I, I think my. I think it was sixty pound return um, to go from Stansted to Edinburgh. And I'd rather only, but as I say, in comparison to sort of nearly 180 quid to do the same journey with Flybe from Norwich. So, you know, you have to accept that there's going to be, you know, you, there's going to be an element of discomfort. So as long as they don't, it's, and it's only three hours, you can put up with anything for three hours. If, if you're travelling to Malta, yes. Yeah, absolutely. If you've got somewhere to warm to sit and, 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 and you know, beer to drink, you know, copious amounts of, exactly. then you can put up with anything for three hours, let's be honest. And you're going to be miserable when you come home anyway. So what what difference is a, is a, is a couple of inches less legroom going to make to your misery as you come home from Malta in your case? Exactly. <laughs> but those of you listening to the show give it send us your thoughts tell us what yeah, you do. think yeah. as a passenger yeah. um what what would you rather have cheaper fares or slightly more leg room slightly more leg room yeah. let, let us know what you think if money wasn't an object yeah then I wouldn't be flying with Ryan anyway. I'd have my own. <laughs> I'd be hiring pilot Pip. He'd be yes, taking me Pip from wherever he's taking us on his, uh, on, yes, his uh, on our jollies uh, to yes, wherever jollies, it is that yeah. we're going to the next air show that we're going to visit. Exactly. And, you know, and we'll make him stay. And you know, but it's just yeah. I don't know. Next flight story. Global then. Yep. yep. Flight Global. Uh, MRJ first flight pushed back to third quarter. Mm. Mitsubishi Aircraft uh, has confirmed that the first flight of its MRJ regional jet has been pushed back to September or October 2015 mm. from the second quarter. The Japanese airframer says the delay will not impact deliveries which are due to begin in the second quarter of 2017. Presently, static strength testing and manufacture of the second and subsequent flight test aircraft are all proceeding smoothly, says Mitsubishi in a statement. In order to fully incorporate the verification results of the various ground tests and related feedback into the first flight test aircraft, the timing of the first flight has been reviewed and this is now scheduled for September or October this year. Subsequently, the airframer says it will conduct an intensive flight test campaign and accelerate production of its Nagoya facility in order to meet the delivery timetable. 
Mitsubishi last announced a program delay in August 2013. Then it pushed the first flight from the third quarter of 2013 to the second quarter of 2015, and its first delivery from the summer of 2015 to the second quarter of 2017. Last month, the airframer also announced a series of high-level management changes, including the retirement of its chairman and president. Mm. So you've got a few bit stats and figures on that. Yeah, there, well, I, I was just intrigued when we, when we were, were going through this before we started recording. I was just intrigued to know who's actually... I mean, you've got, you've got a feel for the people who've got orders because, obviously, they're building this plane based on strength of orders. Mm. And you, 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 you've got to feel a bit for the people who've got orders in. So you've got uh, all Nippon Airways. They've got an order for for um, 15 MRJ-90s uh, in, in, um, uh, in, you know, in, in production, I suppose. Uh, and they've, uh, they've actually updated the website, so they're, they're hopefully the, going to be receiving the first of this wave of, of thing for 2017 when they come out. You've got uh, Transstates Holding. Uh, they've got 50 um, firmed orders uh, with 50 optional um, um, planes later. Uh, A&I Group Holdings have actually cancelled their orders which is interesting. They had an order of five, um, which mm. they've now cancelled. Which I, I guess you can't blame them for. I mean, depend. I suppose these are these are these companies. It depends on you know they may not be able to wait the to what they pushed it back eighteen months, nearly two years now, yeah. haven't they? And that's not the first time that they mm. that it's been delayed. Uh, you've got Skywest Inc. They've got some uh, orders for twenty seventeen, and then Eastern Airlines. Uh, they're hoping for some in twenty nineteen. Uh, L Air Mandalay uh, are hoping for some in 2018, and then Japan Airlines uh, not until 2021. But um, yeah, bit um, you've got a feel from a bit really. Um, but this is a new aircraft uh, from a yeah. from a relatively yeah. unheard of yeah. uh, producer. And I suppose um, if you've waited, they're, they're still hoping to get all the orders out on time, aren't they? Because um, they're going to extend production. Um, at their plant. Um, I mean, when you say Mitsubishi, you mm. kind of tend to think of I think big cars. four-wheel drive yeah, yeah. Uh, truck, you know, cars yeah. and I had stuff. a Pajero, the Pajeros, best thing I yeah. ever had, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, yes, uh, let's hope it, there aren't any further delays. Um, so that... Because um, it'd, be, it'd be a shame if it... Uh, I suppose something like that could be enough to put you out of business, couldn't it? But it's a, I expect they've got plenty of money. It's, uh, it's I think Japanese, isn't it? Mitsubishi, no, I know, so. but even so, I mean, you know, these these things all tend to be like limited limited companies, if you like, their own little their own little pods. Um, but uh, anyway, never mind. On to the next story. The uh, website. This one is breakingtravelnews.com, and the headline is SAS welcomes Google Street View to the new long haul cabin. Travellers can now take a look round the SAS's new long-haul cabin using Google Street View. SAS is the first airline in Europe to offer a virtual tour on board a long-haul aircraft, letting users experience what it would be like to travel with SAS's upgraded cabin. The new cabin interior that was launched in February. You can take a stroll through the new, the different service classes of SAS Go Plus and Business and have a look at the aircraft seats, the in-flight entertainment system and the rest of the interior, such as the gallery and even the toilets. Oh, how nice. Our new upgraded long-haul cabin has attracted a great deal of interest uh, and, and interest for its design and functionality from both customers and the media. We are constantly striving to create new and innovative digital solutions for our customers, so we are very proud that SAS is the first airline in Europe to let everyone see what it is like to travel with SAS using Google Street View, said Stefan Hedius. 
Vice President uh, Brand uh, and Marketing at SAS. The seats in SAS Go and SAS Plus are designed to provide good storage and create extra space. All seats in SAS Business have direct access to the aisles and can be fully reclined into a bed position. The beds feature linen from Hastens, Sweden's oldest bed maker, giving passengers a superior sleep experience. There is a new in-flight entertainment system throughout the cabin, offering HD screens and wireless internet. And it does say on the website, if you go to breakingtravelnews.com, take a look here. There's actually a link so that you can have yeah, a look at it. I've, um, I've fired it up. Yeah, I've fired it. I'm just looking at the link myself. Yeah. And... Um, it's it's really good. Is it's, it? Yeah, it's just like it is exactly the same as Google Street View, is except it? I'm looking at the interior of uh, an SAS aircraft. Are you? Yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, really, really good. Right. Well, what what will that? What will do? Oh, oh, I see. How good Ooh. is that? <laughs> Ooh, yes. Oh, seriously. Right. Carl will put that on the website uh, in just a moment. Um, they, wow. Yeah, you need to have a look at this if you if you're into this sort of thing. You need you need to have a look. Definitely the way forward. Yeah, so it's um, flysas.com, and I'm sure you'll find the link from there. But as I say, we'll put it on our Facebook page uh, in just a moment. In fact, I shall probably do it while Carl does I've, the next story. I've just done it. Oh, you've just done yes, it? I've oh, just he's done so it. efficient. That's how so efficient, efficient I am. Indeed. Anyway, you can stop doing that now, yep, and you okay. need to read this. Right, so the next story then on the breaking travel news site again. And this one is Korean Air set to welcome Airbus A330-300 to their fleet. Korean Air is strengthening its global service by introducing a fuel-efficient cutting-edge aircraft to its fleet. The flag carrier is set to introduce its brand-new A330-300 aircraft on its Southeast Asia routes. The newly introduced A330-300 aircraft will join the fleet, serving on Korean Air routes to Sydney, Brisbane, Singapore, as well as other routes in Southeast Asia and Oceania. The A330-300 is an eco-friendly aircraft with a cruising speed of 879 kilometres an hour, maximum flying distance of 9,450 kilometres and a maximum flying time of 11 hours. Korean Air currently operates 18 A330-300s and is planning to introduce three more aircraft by the end of the year. The new A330-300 will be equipped with a revamped Prestige class called Prestige Suites, which takes in-flight style and comfort to a next level. Prestige Suites are equipped with privacy panels installed between the seats, with those in aisle seats able to rise higher for increased privacy. Each seat is also equipped with an ottoman, a cushioned stool, (laughs) where passengers can rest their feet. Uh, In general, Ottomans are more often to be seen only in first-class cabins of uh, of other airlines. Yeah, and anything from the 1920s. (laughs) Yes. Meanwhile, Korean Air will introduce 19 additional next-generation aircraft to its fleet in 2015. There will also be uh, 17 passenger aircraft, including Boeing 747-8s, six 777-300ERs, uh, three A330-300s and four Boeing 737-800s and two cargo aircraft, including one Boeing 747-8 uh, freighter and also a Boeing 777 freighter. Mm. So these suites sound very nice, Matt, I must say. Mm. Yes. And uh, having somewhere to put your feet up is also uh, Ooh, I see. It's cool. also got the little winglets on the... on the, on the uh... Yeah, the 330 has the, yeah. uh, that, the winglets yes, I'm on, learning yeah. about those. He is, is yes. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what do you, what's your take on the Korean Air um, colour scheme there, Matt? Looks like Coca-Cola. I mean, it looks like Pepsi. 
<laughs> He's got that same sort of swirl with the red, the red, the white, and the blue. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure that's not it. I'm sure there's no copyright infringement there in any way, shape, or form. No, I, I think it's like I said, I think it's quite good. I like blue anyway. Do you? I do. I am, I'm a blue yeah. player. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think. That, well, that's. I, I presume that's why the t-shirts are that color, are they? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. On to the next story. Next story. Yeah. This is on the Telegraph um, website and the Telegraph travel section, and the headline is Virgin Atlantic passenger demand compensation for nightmare 33-hour flight delay. It's uh, it's an unusual story, this, actually, for... Um, cause, um, will you leave that matter? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> One moment, I'll just gather my thoughts. Yes, it's, it's an unusual story with Virgin Atlantic for them to, to get things so wrong as this, but... Uh, I think it wasn't their fault, though. Oh, well, the aircraft was at fault. Yeah, think, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I, I sort of... Dis- yeah, it's uh, nearly 100... Travellers on a London Gatwick-bound uh, Virgin Atlantic flight set to depart McCarran International Airport at 4.30pm on Monday suffered a series of excruciating delays before it finally departed on Wednesday morning. Passengers were initially told the delay was due to a problem with the air conditioning before later being informed that there was an issue with uh, the rudder of the plane. Hotel accommodation was provided for the passengers on Monday night, but they were forced to spend Tuesday evening at the airport terminal due to constant plane delays through the night the evening standard reports it's an absolute nightmare for everyone involved the delays were unacceptable and excruciating as they were pushed back and back and people had to sleep in the airport michael janofix a banker from crouch end london told the evening standard return flights to las vegas can cost around a thousand pounds but each passenger has been offered the standard 600 euros which is roughly 435 pounds in sterling in compensation for the delay under the european union's regular Regulation number 261-2004. Frustrated passengers have set up a Facebook group page in order to take joint legal action against the airline and are prepared to file a lawsuit together if they are not given sufficient compensation. We have lost our time and had an awful experience, uh, said Mr Janovich. We we deserve a lot more and by taking a group action we can work together to get this. We could share a lawyer. We are willing to take as far as this if we need to, he also added. Virgin has apologised for the inconvenience caused by the delay that followed the technical problem, which was extended because of strong winds around McCarran Airport area, which hampered the use of the high-level machinery required to complete the repair, the statement said. All our customers were provided with a hotel accommodation and meals while they waited, and they will be reimbursed for reasonable out-of-pocket expenses. In addition, we will be providing eligible customers with EU compensation to to the equivalent of 600 euros per person customers should visit virginatlantic.com uh, for advice about eligibility details of the claims process and how to download an application form the statement said however there is no there is no entitlement to compensation under the eu regulation if the cause of the cancellation was due to extraordinary circumstances which could not have been avoided even if all reasonable measures have been taken this includes cancellations in the event of weather conditions uh, political instability uh, unexpected flight safety shortcomings, security risks and strikes, the Virgin Atlantic website states. Telegraph Travel asked Virgin Atlantic whether it could, it could would consider passengers' requests for additional compensation beyond the €600 Euros and how long it would take for passengers to receive compensation, but the airline has had no further comment. Last year, Virgin Atlantic was forced to pay 60 
thousand euros that's around about forty three thousand four hundred pounds to a group of 101 passengers on a 2012 flight from orlando florida to london which was delayed for more than 26 hours following a problem with the fire detector circuit on the plane the court ruling at the time stated that airlines cannot reject compensation claims for delays caused by technical issues Earlier this year, airlines were told by a judge in a test case that they cannot keep passengers waiting for compensation for delayed flights. The case involved a passenger claiming €400 in compensation after a Jet 2 flight was delayed by nearly seven hours in 2012. The airline had applied to have the claim delayed for a second time, but the judge ruled in the passenger's favour, concluding justice um, delays. uh, Justice delayed is justice denied. It's, um, That's, I mean, uh, I, I'm very surprised. I mean, you, I, I don't know I don't, I, whether I'm not putting him on a pedestal or anything, but I'd always sort of assumed that Richard Branson is one of the few people who sort of, you know, is is very customer orientated and sort of focused. So I'm, I'm surprised that all he's offering them is. Uh, and the trouble again, it's a little bit misleading because they did offer him a, a night first time round when it was yeah. clear that they weren't going to get off that get off the the ground. That they was put fair them in enough. The hotel. Yeah, but mm. not on the second night when it became clear. Uh, whether it's because they then couldn't find mm. accommodation for that many people at such. I short mean, there notice. are rules that, right. that airlines have to follow after so many hours. Mm. Obviously, with uh, regards to compensation and stuff, yeah. I think it's three hours. After right. three hours of delay, you're you're entitled to um, food and and right. drink. Yeah. And anything over that, there's, um, yeah. you know, there's more compensation you can, you can except Except, I mean, I was at Derry Airport and because of um, snow, basically, they weren't able to get flight. The flight got in, but they couldn't get out again. Um, and, um, I mean, we were delayed for over six hours, but because it was weather related, we weren't entitled to anything, apparently. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then that was Ryanair. So I, I guess that, that, uh, that shouldn't be a shock, really. I mean, the aircraft... Though in uh, in in on the actual on this story, yeah, yeah. the seven four seven four hundred. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is an old aircraft, right? You know, the aircraft um, are based at London and uh, Heathrow and Gatwick as yeah. well. But these are old aircraft. You know, these are sort of ten, twelve, fourteen, fifteen years old. These yeah. aircraft, uh, some are slightly older than that. Mm. Um, highly maintained, obviously, but they are old aircraft. Well, they're they're going to be uh, they're going to be technical 15, issues. Fifteen years old. Mm. That's not old in the aviation industry, is it? But they do a learn. lot of miles. Yeah, these yeah. aircraft. No, I suppose so. Yeah. 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 Right. So moving on, indeed, to the next story, which mm-hmm. is on the breaking news travel dot com site again. Yeah. Uh, Manchester Airport breaks historic passenger records. Ooh. So Manchester Airport has broken its all-time passenger record with 22.32 million people flying through the airport in the last financial year. The figure is the highest in its 77-year history, beating the previous 12-month record set in July 2006 of 22.26 million. Uh, With 22.3 million passengers per year, Manchester is the third UK's largest airport and represents a growth of 7.5% year on year, with March 2015 seeing growth close to 10%. Manchester Airport, the only UK airport to have two full-length runways, along with London Heathrow, has seen an increasing number of passengers within its two-hour drive time catchment area. Uh, take advantage of new direct long-haul services on offer from the north. Ken O'Toole, Managing Director at Manchester Airport, commented, This is a magnificent achievement and a historic milestone for Manchester Airport and UK aviation, as well as a huge boost for economy and the north of England. 
We have worked closely with our airline partners to cement and maintain this continued growth, increasing capacity and frequency on existing routes, plus confirming new services, particularly to service demand that exists from Manchester in the long haul market. It's great news that with an increasing number of two, well, 22 million UK residents living in our catchment area, they are choosing to fly from Manchester. With Manchester Airport having uh, spare a spare runway capacity, we can offer those customers and airlines an alternative to travelling via a congested London airport. Have you have you flown from Manchester? Airport? No, I've, I I've haven't. Been, I've been to Manchester Airport. We've got family in Stockport actually, and and I've gone up there to spend um, um, the holidays um, with a friend up there actually. And um, they've got. A fa- I don't know if they still have because it's been a while since I've been. But they had a fantastic viewing gallery in oh, Manchester okay, Airport, yeah. um, which is sort of the first time I sort of watched a plane take off. And Any happen. listeners from Manchester, let us know mm, whether do, there's still yeah. a viewing gallery. Yeah, there. absolutely. I mean, it, certainly it was something worth worth going to see um, back mm. then. And back then, it was free. You could just walk into the airport. Mm. And, uh, those yeah. were the days, eh? To go and park there. But uh, I, I was interested to sort of see. It's actually th- Manchester is uh, is the UK's third largest third airport. Largest, yeah, third yeah, largest. Yeah, with obviously Heathrow being first and 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 Gatwick, then, um, being, Gatwick second, being second, yeah. which is uh, I guess not a surprise. But then it, it kind of makes sense, I suppose, because it is basically the airport for the Midlands, isn't it? Mm, um, yeah. As you say, with that sort of two-hour drive, so there's no different, if you like, for from if, if you live in Birmingham, it's no different to going to. Uh, I think we're really lucky in the UK. Mm. You know, we're not a huge island, no, but we have got three really large airports within within sort of, you know, yeah in, in in the country. Yeah, um, I mean, Stansted obviously is another bigger. You know, yeah. I think Stansted's fourth. Is it on the yeah. list of um, of air, airports? But no, we are lucky in the UK to have such a, a you know a choice. Yeah, of, that's true. Of airports, which yeah. can, uh, we can go pretty much anywhere. Yeah, you're in, right. Fourth, is, fourth is Stansted. Yeah, uh, London Luton is fifth. Uh, oh. Edinburgh is sixth. Oh. Um, Birmingham. We should have had this as a top ten. Oh, we should have. Yeah, Birmingham is uh, seventh. Uh, Glasgow is eighth. Okay. Uh, Bristol is ninth, and Newcastle is tenth. Yeah. There, there we go. So that's where we bring the we news do. segment to a close Indeed. for this week. We've Good, got, I need coffee. Uh, I know, we, I need new coffee. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, some military news coming up. We've got yep. a few stories. Yep. And then we've got uh, a segment from Pip yes. for you as well, which is awesome. Yeah. And uh, and then we'll just close the show with a few bits of, uh, just a couple of bits of air show information. Ooh. And uh, yeah, we've got, uh, we've got loads to come still. Indeed. So make sure you uh, continue listening. Indeed. And we're going to be back right after this. Go and get yourself. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we go.
We're back then after a short coffee break. Yes, yes. Indeed. We've been putting the world to rights. We've been a, we've been admiring aircraft, but yeah, we'll, 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 we'll tell you more about that in a minute. Yes. <laughs> so we've got the military segment to bring you now. Then, so uh, yes. we've got a few stories, not many stories. No. We are trying no. to pick out the uh, more flavoursome stories from the military yes. uh, segment this week. Yes. So, if you're ready, Matt. Indeed. Let's go. So kicking off this week's first story then on Flight Global site. Indeed, yes. it's uh, Australia confirms orders for two additional C-17s. The Royal Australian Air Force has confirmed it will acquire two additional Boeing C-17 strategic airlifters, which will bring its fleet of the type to a total of eight. The deal represents an investment of... Uh, one million Australian dollars. That's around about seven hundred and seventy million. Sorry, one billion. Sorry, uh, Australian dollars. Uh, that's around about seven hundred and seventy million um, American dollars. Uh, says the Australian Department of Defence uh, in a statement. Uh, of this amount, uh, three hundred million American uh, Australian. Dollars uh, will be spent upgrading facilities at RAAF um, Amberley, where 36 Squadron is based. Um, Canberra's interest in additional C-17s has been well documented in October 2014. Defence Minister David Johnston confirmed that the country was interested in two uh, to four additional C-17s. The announcement about uh, the two additional aircraft reduces the number of white-tail C-17s to five aircraft, says a Boeing spokesman. With production of C-17s to end in 2015, Boeing decided to build 10 aircraft prior to signing up buyers. Of these aircraft, one was obtained by Canada, bringing its fleet to five aircraft and two were ordered by an undisclosed customer in the Middle East. What on earth is an undisclosed customer Some, in the Middle East? Some it dodgy, was me. Was I it? don't want them to know. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> do, you, do you have terrorist links by any no, chance? I don't, no, I no, Right, don't, no. that's a shock. I do terrorise people. Well, yes, yeah, I suppose that's yeah. a totally different category altogether, isn't it? My wife, anyway. <laughs> yeah. yes. Long-suffering Gemma. Yes. yes. The C-17, then. <laughs> yes. Um, known as, uh, also known as the T-1, but the Boeing C-17 mm-hmm. Globemaster. Uh, first flew in 1991. That's a great name, isn't it? Globemaster. It's huge, though. Yeah. Oh, is it? Uh, first flew in 15th of September 1991. Right, oh. Been about um, a while then. Yep. It was introduced into service in January two, uh, 1995. Right. Um, its primary users being the USAF, yep. the Royal Air Force, mm-hmm. the Royal Australian Air Force. As, as we've just covered. And the Indian Air Force. Ah. Uh, there's been just over 250 built. Right. And they have a unit price each of around two hundred and twenty million US dollars. Wow! To, to, that's a flyaway cost. Flyaway, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. All you've got to supply is the insurance and the fuel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, and learn how to fly one. All uh, oh, right. Okay. Minor detail. Yeah. But they uh, have a huge payload. The yeah. Globemaster. Um, it can carry seventy-seven thousand five hundred ninety kilos of cargo. Wow! Which is huge. Um, distributed so over ba- basically, eighteen, basically large me pallets. and all of my ingre- uh, and all of my things. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's powered by four Pratt and Whitney F one one seven PW one hundred turbofans, mm-hmm. producing forty thousand four hundred and forty pounds of thrust each. Wow. 
and can carry a maximum of 35,546 US gallons of fuel, mm-hmm. which is 134,556 litres yeah. of fuel. So it has the to do the stats there. Yeah. has a crew of uh, three, yes. two pilots and one loadmaster. Yes. And five additional personnel are required for aeromedical evacuation uh, missions. So there we are, bit of oh, info indeed. on the C seventeen, indeed. And on the on on the, having just mentioned Pratt and Whitney, um, on to your next story. Next story then, yes, is on the AIN online site, and uh, this one is regarding the F thirty five fighter. So Pratt and Whitney rolls out engine fix to the F thirty five. Always a worrying fit. headline, isn't it? <laughs> so Pratt and Whitney. Uh, is installing a retrofit in its F-135 engine to repair the problem that prevented the uh, F-35 Joint Strike Fighter from making its international debut last summer. Oh. Yes, missed that one. Oh, did you? It expects to complete the fix uh, fleet-wide by early next year. An engine fire in an F-35A that was preparing to take off for a training mission in Eglin Air Force Base uh, last June caused the Pentagon to ground the entire fleet, preventing the F-35's planned international debut the following month at both the Royal International Air Tattoo and the Farnborough Air Show, ah, both of which we went to. Really? Uh, the new time and place for that debut remain unannounced. Speaking uh, with reporters in Washington, D.C. on March 24th, show organisers said they do not expect the F-35 to appear at the Paris Air Show in June. Investigators determined that the F-135's fire started as a result of excessive rubbing of a polyamide plate seal between the second and third stage integrally bladed rotors in the uh, engine's compressor section. The rubbing caused excessive heating and led to the failure of the third stage fan rotor. Once the root cause of the engine fire was identified, Pratt and Whitney developed two fixes. The first uh, controlled rub-in procedure involves flying the F-35 in a series of planned manoeuvres so that the seal, which is designed to be abraded into a groove or trench, wears in a controlled manner. The second (laughs) fix was to create a pre-tench in the seal during the manufacturing process and retrofit that part in the fighters that have already been delivered. We basically said, instead of rubbing it in, let's just cut it out. Mark Buongiorno, Pratt & Whitney's <laughs> F-135 program vice president, told AIN. We basically machined that trench in as a part of the manufacturing process, as opposed uh, to letting the engine do itself. That fix has been validated, and we demonstrated that uh, there was a significant loss in performance because of it. And we are in the process of retrofitting the fleet to uh, that pre-trench configuration. Interviewed during Pratt & Whitney's media play in uh, Hartford, Connecticut on April the 2nd, program officials said that the retrofit has been installed on all but 17 system development and demonstration fighters, the exception being an F-35 that was unavailable because it was undergoing climatic testing at Eglin Air Force Base. The engine manufacturer is rolling out the retrofit under the remainder of the fleet using its field technicians. As of late January, F-35 manufacturer Lockheed Martin said it had uh, delivered 131 fighters to the Department of Defence. I think I prefer the latter fix rather than saying, right, if your pilot flies the plane like this, 
for a little while and he does these certain manoeuvres for a predetermined amount in. of time, it'll be all right. You think, well, yeah, but what if he doesn't quite bank hard enough on that? But I mean, it's just like, it, just, is, is it, it sounds crazy, but the, the idea of fixing the plane is fly it like this, you'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's similar though, you know when you have your brake pads changed at the it's garage? It's like but, the brake pads. No, but but you're, you're told by your mechanic to gently bed the brakes right. in. Right, okay. So the um, fire was as a result of the first pilot getting in it and flying like a lunatic. Is that essentially <laughs> what it is? You're going berserk. I'll tell you what, it's a huge shame if that's not at Riyadh this year. Mm. Um, obviously, Farnborough's not till next year. Yeah. Um, but it, we did miss it at Riyadh last year. Mm. It was penned as a, as a huge Thing. Right, and um, it didn't happen. And yeah. it didn't happen. Doesn't look good if they're cancelling the Paris no. appearance at Caltech. No, it's a shame. Paris it's a shame because it's not long after. Riet's not long after. It's that, July. Is it? Riet is July. Yeah. Isn't it? So yeah, it'll be a well, shame. Well, you never know. To, you never know. Fingers and toes all crossed. Yep. With knots tied and anything else you can manage on a warm day. So uh, <laughs> last uh, military story. Indeed, yes. So this is from the airsoc.com website, and the headline is F-35B back to the Wasp. Um, and it's the Marine Corps, uh, the Marine Corps, the U.S. Marine Corps is gearing up for a period of operational test sea trials aboard the USS Wasp in late May. Six 35Bs will embark the carrier for the only formal operational testing ahead of declaring initial operation, operating capacity, IOC, with the first F-35Bs in July. The six aircraft from VMFA-21 and VMA, VMFA-80-501 will embark and fly using the current 2B software. The F-35Bs have previously completed two periods of development testing aboard the USS Wasp. Wow. This this aircraft is another aircraft I hope we see it at, at um, Riyadh this yeah. year. Um, the F-35C, it would be awesome to see this. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's uh, a kind of... To explain it to you in simple yeah, terms, yeah. Matt is a kind of p- very posh Harrier. Oh, right, uh, yeah, yeah. Because it can vertically take off and land. Cool. Hence the reason it's on the USS on, Wasp. On, yeah, yeah, on, on, the carrier. on a carrier. Yeah. Um, but uh, first flew in two thousand six, mm-hmm. um, uh, manufactured by Lockheed Martin, mm. uh, as penned as a role as a stealth multi fighter. Uh, primary users being the USAF, uh, United States Marine Corps, as you just mm-hmm. said. Yeah. Uh, the United States Navy and the Royal Air Force. Uh-huh. There's been 115 of these built, um, yeah. and they have a unit cost of around 100 million US dollars. So, each. so what are the, what what is their primary purpose? Is it um, sort of sorties and, and attack missions? It's or? a multi-role fighter, so it, right. you know it can launch off the carrier and, yeah. and come inland, or, or you know it can. Oh, yeah. Ooh, hello. thunder! Yeah. No, I think just just strong wind. <laughs> Oh, strong wind. Indeed, yes. Oh, blimey. I thought we were being... <laughs> yeah. well, the uh, weather was coming in. Yeah, there. it's nearly an alfresco broadcast there for a moment. <laughs> yeah, it can uh, it can sort of cover many roles, multi-role, yeah. uh, multi-role fire, but it looks awesome. Mm. Um, it'd be great to see. It does look very place. similar to the Harrier in lots of ways. Uh, not quite as fat in the sort of the mid-body. No. <laughs> um, but... Um, yeah, I didn't. I, th- I thought they'd sort of stop the, the the you know the vertical takeoff and landing. I'm quite pleased that they. Uh, no, it's. I still uh, never understood why they took the Harrier out of service. But. Well, the, the Spanish uh, Navy still still yeah. use the Harrier. Yeah, the Harrier is in full mm. service with the Spanish Navy. Hence the reason they were at uh, Farnborough last year yeah. doing a display. Which well, is I'm good. not surprised. Yeah, well, and and uh, you sort of they they it was almost like the last nail in the coffin, almost wasn't it? Because they had that incident at um, the Lowestoft Air Show, wasn't it, where it 
dumped into the sea. Oh, that's a few years ago, yeah. But it, yeah. almost shortly after that, that's that suddenly, um, certainly UK-based, um, well, to, initially all the Harriers were, were grounded and, and then they started phasing them out. But it's, it's, Again, a bit, it's a bit like Concord. They sort of oh, phase, phased them out, but they didn't have a, a replacement. It just doesn't make sense why. I don't know, never mind. So these F-35Bs, yes. they can fly at a maximum of 1,200 miles an hour. Wow. Yeah, it's Mac 1.6. That's just, that's incomprehensible. It's as as amazing, as a, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, I mean, how long would it take? I mean, it would take it very little time to fly around the world. Literally, if it had a, a, enough load, fuel load, it could literally. You'd have to find something to put your suitcase and stuff, but um, I'm sure there's fine. room somewhere. Yeah, just, you know, just, just, just dump the weapons. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, that is the last story then. It is, um, yes. For the military segment. Um, we've just got. Uh, Pilot Pip segment coming up next, and yep. then we've got a bit of air show news. Excellent. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Pip has very graciously provided us with the second instalment of his segment. And on this segment, Pip, uh, it's part two, isn't it? it of, part two, yeah. but Pip uh, takes us. He takes us around a walk round. He does oh, a walk cool. round of his aircraft yeah. outside, all live, li- li- recorded live. Awesome. And he walks around his aircraft and uh, tells us about the finer points of what he checks before he flies. So, come on in, stick it on. Stick it on. Here it comes. And now it's time to visit the cockpit and join the man who puts the S in safe. It's the plane safety from the flight deck segment with Captain Pip. Hello everyone, it's Pilot Pip here with another Safety from the Flight Deck segment. And this week I've got something a little bit special, a little bit unusual. Um, I'm recording this live from Zagreb Airport in Croatia, where I'm standing outside on the apron and it's a lovely sunny day, quite warm. And what I thought I'm going to do today is walk you through a pre-flight inspection, a walk-around. So I'm going to do a walk-around on my aircraft and, and describe to you what it is I'm doing and what I'm looking at. Now you may hear some noises in the background, aircraft taxiing by and vehicles going by, so I'll do my best to uh, to make it audible. And to make this thing doable, I um, have to disconnect all the power from the aircraft, so the GPU is not plugged in, providing ground power, nor is the APU running, the APU being the little jet engine in the back of the aircraft that we switch on and it uh, provides electrical power to the aircraft. If that was running it would just be far too noisy out here. So everything's disconnected so I can't check everything because some of the the things need power. But I can do most of them. I'm standing down at the bottom of the steps on the front left side of the aircraft and the first thing I'm going to do is just take a general look around the aircraft, look back the left side and see that everything looks in place. So for instance I can see that the engine has not fallen off it seems to be attached. I have the appropriate number of wings. I can see the wheels, the tyres are, are not flat, at least uh, as a, at a first glance. I'll have a look at those later on. So everything generally looks in good shape. There are no obvious holes and things in the aircraft. So that's good news. So the first thing, let's get going. Having a look, we're moving forwards to underneath the cockpit windows on the left side. And the first thing I've got is an angle of attack sensor vane. And this is, it's kind of difficult to describe, it's a little uh, a little thing that is free to rotate on the side of the aircraft and align itself when it's in flight with the airflow. And this is attached to a little gauge inside the uh, cockpit which gives us a direct readout of angle of attack, which is quite a nifty thing. Not many aircraft have those, so it's a nice tool to have. And I can see that it looks undamaged and it's free to rotate. Moving forwards, I've got the, the pitot uh, tube 
underneath the cockpit windows. And again, I'm just looking at the general condition here to make sure it's not hanging off, it looks undamaged, and I can see that it appears to be unblocked. The hole in the front is, is free to let air in. And just off to my right side, there's a A320, or oh, German wings. They've been in the news, haven't they? A German wings A320 is just landing. Flaring, floating a little bit. There we go, touching down. Nice, very nice. Standing back a bit, I'm looking up at the cockpit windows now. Just having a look at their general condition, making sure the outer layers are not delaminating. There's no obvious cracks or breaks. Uh, and the surrounding uh, panelling is all in place. Looks fairly nice. And then just below the forward cockpit window, I've got the one of the static plates. Uh, the static plate used for measuring static air pressure. It's got a couple of holes in it that let the air in and it measures air pressure. And again, just looking at the general condition, appears to be unblocked and in pretty good shape. So moving forward on the bottom of the fuselage at the nose, I've got a, a thermometer, just basically a bit of metal which measures air temperature and it's uh, fed directly to a little gauge in the cockpit. So again, I can see that's attached, it's not hanging off, it's unbroken, looks okay. And then just forward of that, we've got a very interesting uh, bit of kit. I've got an ice detector. And what this is, this is a, a two-part instrument. Now this is one of the things that needs power for me to check, but I, I can see it's general condition. And what it is, it's a little round sort of cylinder, which when power's applied, it, uh, it rotates, it goes round and round and round. And it's up against a sort of a very sharp bit of metal. And if and when ice builds up on this cylinder as it rotates, it creates a little torque or friction force against that uh, little metal plate and it detects that and if it detects that it means there's something there blocking it ice and so it feeds through to the cockpit and a little ice lights on our annunciator panel saying ice detected lights up so that's a nice little tool lets us know if we've, we've got any ice building up on the, the forward side of the fuselage and if it's building up there it'll be building up over the wings so again I need power for that one to work but I can see that it uh, looks fairly okay Coming forward to the nose, there's a, a couple of little uh, uh, windows that I can just about see into where the taxi lights are. Um, and I can peer in and I can see there's no cats nesting in there or birds making a home or something like that. So that's good news. Right at the front of the aircraft now, looking forwards, looking down the, the nose section, looking at the windows, and again, just looking at the general condition. It all looks nice to me, no obvious holes or things falling off. So coming round the front, I'm going to take a look at the nose gear now. Got uh, two nose wheel tyres, two nose wheel wheels, and I'm just looking at the, the extension on the oleo. Uh, so it gives an indication that the, the nitrogen pressure in there is, is about correct. The thing's not too far extended, nor is it too low to the ground. Just looking at all the linkages, I can see that the pin, the towing pin, is in the appropriate position for taxiing. Oh, something else landing, what's that? A, oh, a CRJ900 from Lufthansa, very nice. There he goes. So general condition of the nose gear, I can see it looks relatively clean. Uh, it's nice to see a bit of grease on these things actually. This one looks quite clean. Uh, we have had incidences in the past where the, they've uh, jet washed the nose gear and blown off all the grease and it, um, it does need a bit of grease for it to, to move smoothly. So that looks looks nice. Looking at the tyres as well, they appear undamaged, there's uncracked, there's no great big holes in them, no cracks, and that's important. Uh, I can give them a bit of a kick as well. 
not that my foot is, is particularly attuned to tyre pressures, but it, uh, it seems relatively normal to me. So moving down now the right side of the aircraft, I'm looking exactly the same things on the right side of the aircraft as I looked on the left side. So we've got the pitot vane, got an angle of attack sensor vane, we've got the static plates. And they all, again, appear normal, undamaged. So moving back along the fuselage towards the wings, looking at the general condition, there's a few drains on the underside, uh, which I can see are unblocked, nothing nesting in there, no one's poked anything in there. Just looking at the condition of some of the aerials, we've got um, various uh, VHF aerials and communication aerials hanging off. In all honesty, I couldn't tell you exactly which one's which, but they all appear to be attached. And then we've got another uh, air sensor, a temperature um, vane sticking down into the airflow. Pretty hefty bit of a kit, this one, and I can poke that and it seems to be securely attached. Now moving back, just looking along the leading edge of the right wing now, the lights, landing lights, appear unbroken, undamaged. Nothing sticking out of the wing. I sometimes have a look at the seals along the um, along the, uh, the 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 heated edge of the wing here, just to make sure they're flush. Sometimes when these things have come out of maintenance, uh, they basically join the the various segments with it. It's almost like a silicone that you use to to seal your bath, and if that's not totally flush, it can it can have an effect on the stall speed of the aircraft. So I can just see that they're not you know they're within limits. Moving back, having a look at some of the bits and bobs hanging off from the bottom of the wing. Nothing too interesting there. And having a look as well at the main gear, right main gear. Again, got two wheels, two tyres, and just having a look at the general condition. In between the two wheels, there's a couple of uh, things there. There's a squat switch, a weight on wheel switch, which uh, controls quite a lot of functions, some of the air ground logic in the computers in the aircraft. So it knows when the aircraft's on the ground and when it's in the air. So I can see that that's there. I've once discovered after a flight that uh, one of the squat switches was just hanging off, which is fairly unusual. And there's also a couple of little pins which indicate brake wear. So I can see that those are sticking out and they're at appropriate length indicating that there's plenty of life left in the brake units. And just having a look inside the right engine as well, looking at all the fan blades, making sure they're not cracked, making sure there's no obvious signs of bird strikes down there. And they all look pretty good. So moving along the wing, we've got some things called some vortex generators, which are just little metal tabs sticking out, which help to uh, keep the air clinging onto the wing. It re-energizes the airflow across the back of the wing. So they're all there. In fact, we can be missing a couple of them, but they're, they're all there at the moment. Moving along, having a look at the navigation lights. They all look normal. The aileron, it has some static wicks and things sticking out. Again, we can be missing a few of those, but they all look fairly normal as well. Got the appropriate number of static wicks, and these just help discharge any uh, electrical build-ups, any lightning strikes. You know what? It's getting too damn windy on that side of the aircraft, so I'm going to move around to the. I've moved around, in fact, to the left side of the aircraft, where I'm a little bit shielded from the wind. So I've gone round the back and round to the uh, the back left side of the aircraft, but it's all the same on this side. So I'm at the back of the aircraft. I've checked as I went around some of the, the panels on the back side are securely locked. And there's also a few uh, little inspection panels in the engine where I can look at uh, oil levels and various 
um, oil bypass pins and hydraulic bypass pins. So you can just kind of stick your finger through these little inspection hatches and and see that things are are normal, and they all are. So back on the the rear left side of the aircraft, there's a couple of panels here that I'm checking are locked and shut. There's the toilet servicing hatch where they plug in the the big tube which sucks out all the the stuff from the toilet. Uh, I can see that's locked. And so looking at the back side of the, the wing, I'm having a look underneath the the wheels on this side again. I can see the tyres are, are undamaged and look healthy, no big cracks. Uh, all the, the hydraulic piping, all the blue hydraulic pipes, are they're all going somewhere, which is nice. It's, uh, it's not very nice to see them just hanging off, uh, which hasn't happened to me yet, but uh, certainly that's something we want to see. Going along the back of the wing, looking at the flaps, they're, they're retracted fully at the moment, but uh, just having a look at the general condition, they're in the appropriate retracted uh, position, working away along the wing. The left aileron, which has the trim tab on it, uh, making sure that that looks to be in a neutral position, which coincides with the position that it was in the cockpit on the trim gauges, it was in a neutral. Same with the, uh, the trim tab on the tail, on the tail fin, uh, and on the rudder. I checked that as I walked around. They were in the neutral position, which is exactly where I put them when I was in the cockpit. Uh, also, just backtracking a bit, looking up at the tail, looking up at the heated panels, the de-icing panels. They all look normal. Static wicks are attached, and nothing obvious hanging off them. So continue along, along the uh, trailing edge of the wing, all the way down to the end, around the side. Again, looking at the left-hand navigation lights. Well, it's not switched on at the moment. They're all uh, they're all off as there's no power, but that all looks normal. Again, there's some vents and things, some fuel vents to uh, prevent overpressuring of the of the wings of the fuel. If we put too much fuel in, there's some vents where that can drain out. Uh, it's not a good thing to happen, so we monitor that carefully when we're fueling. We don't want to have fuel spilling out onto the apron. But just checking those vents appear to be unblocked. And again along this wing, looking at the vortex generators, these little metal tabs sticking out into the airflow. They're all attached, looking normal. And all the way down towards the fuselage. Landing lights on this wing. Yep, it's got some landing lights, that's good news. And then I can peer back into the left engine again, and I can see all the fan blades are there. There's a sensor inside the engine at about the one o'clock position as I look at it, sticking down. This is a pressure and t a temperature uh, sensor that's attached. And again, there's no obvious birds or things in the engine. And now there's a British Airways 737 just taxiing out behind me. And actually, that seems like a good place to stop because I think I've walked around just about all of the aircraft now. So that's a pre-flight inspection. Checked. Everything looks normal. It's not particularly in-depth. I can't check everything but everything looks a-okay so I think I'm good to go flying so wish me luck and I'll speak to you again next week take care everyone wow we really mm. thoroughly enjoyed cool, that yeah. excellent segment as always Pip God, it's kind of nice to get kind of nice to get a sort of idea as to what uh, you know entails before you you know fly a plane obviously yeah. I do checks on my yeah, yeah, Cessna yeah. 150 but Pip's checks are rather more well, I have to do checks every morning before I go out, but that's only like 10 minutes worth of checking the wheel is still on and stuff like that. You know, it's just like make sure there's nothing loose. But 
I suppose the procedure is still the same. It's just that mm. you're just checking for, you know, in my case, I'm checking to make sure the wheel nuts haven't moved and to mm. make sure that the tyres haven't got any bulges or anything like that. Making sure the you know trim is firm. I don't suppose it's a great deal different. It's just it just takes longer because there's more to check on the plane. Mm. But thank you, Pip, mm, for sending so, that yeah. in. Hopefully, Pip will have another segment for us uh, next week. Don't forget, you can find Pip at the Plane Safety Podcast on iTunes. Mm-hmm. You can download his show and uh, catch up with him uh, when he talks about all things to do with aviation safety. Yeah. So that's a Plane Safety Podcast with Pilot Pip. Indeed. So we've also got uh, a few bits of noticeable uh, air show information mm. for you. Oh, yeah. um, Coming up with uh, in we're coming up in May. It'll soon be May. Mm. Blimey, things are coming along. Romping soon. along. Third uh, of May, you've got the Shuttleworth season premiere air show at Old Warden, Bedfordshire. That's on the third of May, and uh, you've got later on in May, you've also got the Cold War Jets Open Day at mm. Bruntingthorpe Proving Grounds in Leicestershire. That's on the twenty fourth of May. That's one I wanted to go to, but mm. I'm, I'm uh, booked up on that day, so oh, I can't yeah. go, which is a bit of a shame because yeah. I really wanted to go to that. Um, and in June, you've got uh, the Shuttleworth Air Show uh, at Old Warden, Bedfordshire, again on that on the seventh of June. Uh, Biggin Hill on the thirteenth of June, yeah. Biggin Hill Festival of Flight. I can't go to that one either because I'm booked <laughs> again, so I'm completely gutted. About busy, that. busy. Yeah. Uh, and obviously in July um, this year, we have got REAT, ah, um, yes. which we're going to. Yes. Uh, there's been an update on the list of aircraft going mm. to REAT. Mm. Some of the more noticeable or notable ones, are uh, you've got uh, the Airbus A318 from BA is going to be there. Um, also, it's uh, going to be mu- a massive uh, interest for me to see the Blenheim, the Bristol Blenheim, uh, from the Aircraft Reti- uh, Restoration Company. Um, I'm sure that I saw that at um, Wellington. That, that's at Duxford. Yeah. That's not, I don't think they're flying. I'm not sure if they're flying the Blenheim yet, but that's due to being at Riyadh. Right. Um, there's also an extra 300L, four of those from the Royal Jordanian Falcons aerobatic display team. Oh, they're going to be at Riyadh as well. Um, we've got quite a few hurricanes uh, from uh, the Biggin Hill Heritage uh, Association. Uh, and we've also got Spitfires. Quite a few Spitfires going to be at Riyadh as well. Mm. There's, um, God, there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Spitfires due to wow. be at Riyadh. Uh, obviously, the Vulcan XH558. Now, this is the noisy um, the beast, bomber. isn't it? The yeah. noisy one is yeah. due to be at Riyadh this year. Yeah. And for those of you who want to see or haven't seen uh, VH uh, X, uh, XH sorry XH five five eight the Vulcan. Mm. Make sure you're at Riyadh this year because this could be its last uh, year for oh displaying. That's a shame. Uh, we've got uh, from Denmark the uh, CL six hundred four Challenger is coming uh, in as a VOP transport mm-hmm. on static display. The Finnish Air Force uh, there to be confirmed. They should hopefully be bringing their F eighteen C. Oh, cool. Um, we've also got uh, the Greeks are sending in the F-16 demo team, Zeus. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also got the Apache coming yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, and the Chinook. 130, yep, yeah, and the Chinook. Um, C-130J Hercules from Qatar, from uh, the Qatar Emery Air Force. Uh, we've also got uh, some Grippens coming in from the Swedish Air Force. Mm. 
the Royal Air Force are bringing quite a large amount of aircraft. They've got everything from the Hawk T1 trainer uh, right through to the Hurricane King Air. The Lancaster from the BBMF is going to be there. Mm-hmm. The Sea King from 22 Squadron. Oh, wow. Uh, quite a few Spitfires. Four Spitfires. Uh, the Tornado GR4. Uh, Tucano T1 from 72 Squadron. Uh, advanced trainer and also a typhoon uh, from 29 squadron as well is going to be there but there's loads more to be confirmed as yet i'd love to see all of those spitfires or spitfires all flying all at the same time that'd be good yeah i I found a video which i I think i posted on facebook where it's sort of i think there's six flying all together just something quite um something quite magical about the thought that those old aircraft are still very much in the air long may it continue yes exactly Mm. Now, a few weeks ago, I was uh, very privileged indeed to be asked to uh, go on to another show. Mm. Uh, for those of you who may have listened to uh, my interview on the Go Flying Australia podcast, Adam over there at uh, his show, he uh, asked me to go on his show and chat about uh, all things PPL in the UK, mm. which was awesome. I had uh, a really good chat with Adam, and uh, <laughs> it was very strange to be at the other end of the um the wrong end of the, the Skype wrong end line. Of, wrong, yeah, yeah. Right, the wrong end <laughs> yeah. of a Skype line. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was it was a great show. It was great to great to talk to Adam, mm. and uh, he's uh, you can find his show on iTunes. Uh, that's if you search for Go Flying Australia podcast. Mm. Uh, he's uh, he's on episode six, which is the one with me in. So the latest episode is episode six. Um, he was a bit worried because it was just over an hour long, the episode. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> um, but uh, apparently he's been getting some quite good, um, good sort of feedback from, from D- having des- me on the despite show. Despite you being on despite the show. Despite me being <laughs> on the show. Yeah, apparently he has. <laughs> but he released that on the 29th of March, mm-hmm. that show. Mm. Um, like I said, you can find him on iTunes. He's also on uh, on Twitter as well. Mm. You can find Adam on there um, with uh, Go Flying Australia podcast. Is at Go Flying uh, uh, Oz or AUS yeah. at Go Flying AUS. So find him on Twitter. You can follow him on there. And uh, yeah, he produces his own little show in in mm. Australia um, with a kind of an Australia feel about uh, wow. all sports, uh, you know, sports aircraft and uh, air shows and uh, general aviation, light sport aircraft. And he discusses, uh, he does it, some great interviews, uh, all to do with flying training and that. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, find him across there. Indeed. We've got- also, also worth mentioning that, that we're now officially a part of the Aviation Media Network. Yes, thevoicesinyourhead.com. Yes, yes so you've officially can- been recognised as, <laughs> as, a, as a media outlet now. Um, on the Facebook, uh, yeah. give a mention to a couple of listeners who have... Uh, uh, sort of liked our status for um, this episode on Facebook. Uh, so hello to Lynn Sharman and Dan Mannion. Uh, hello to you guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for uh, clicking on the old like button there on Facebook. Indeed. And uh, also uh, uh, thank you very much from flyingfunco.com. They sent us a little message saying, uh, loving the show, keep up the good work. Thank you for that. Yeah. Excellent. So I, I think, think I think that's the house in order now, isn't it? That's yeah. yeah. I think we've, we've uh, put the world to rights. I think now for uh, yeah. for episode fifty six. As always, keep your uh, feedback coming in. We want to hear from you. We want to if you've got got any stories. If you uh, would be interested uh, in being interviewed, if you work in the industry or anything like that, please. Uh, it'd be great to uh, hear from you. Um, uh, get in touch uh, on the usual ways. Obviously, we've mentioned Facebook. Uh, so it's facebook.com dot com forward slash plain talking UK podcast, and the same goes for Twitter. 
Twitter, twitter.com forward slash plain talking UK. It is www.plaintalkinguk.com. And um, and yeah, you can get in touch through the email, email from there. Yeah. yeah, click on the contact us tab. Yeah, and uh, you can type your message in. That'll send it straight to our inbox. Exciting changes coming for the website also, which yes. I've just started on. Yeah, so Matt is uh, Matt is uh, he's building us a new building site. us a shiny new website yes. for the show, which yes. would be great. Well. But no, thank you for joining us then for episode Indeed. 56 yeah. of the Plain Talking UK podcast. Yeah. It'd be a um, shame if, we, as I say, well, we'd probably do it anyway if it was nobody listening just to hear and talk to ourselves. <laughs> no change there then. But don't forget, please do send us your feedback. Yep. We we really do want to hear back from you guys who listen to the show yeah. to uh, let us know how we're doing. It would be great to hear from you. So don't forget to join us next week for episode 57, 57. of the show. And... Uh, yeah, we're going to leave you then from a, a rather uh, blowy and rainy... Unpleasant Whirlingham. <laughs> unpleasant yeah. Whirlingham here at Matt's uh, conservatory <laughs> studio. studio. Yes. So from me, Carlos, it's a, uh, uh, a happy weekend goodbye. Indeed, and from Matt also, goodbye. So goodbye.